You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hey, hello, everyone. Wow. Welcome back to another episode of Interview with the Nerd. My name is Richard Cardenas, and I am sorry I've been away so long. Um, Yeah, there's a lot that's happened. Nothing that anyone really cares about. I went to San Diego on vacation. That was really fun. Um, So I recently got MoviePass because uh, it went down in price or in cost in price whatever it went down in how much you got to pay for it monthly uh to like 6.95 a month or something like that so in the end you pay for the whole year at once and it came out to like i don't know 89 dollars or something like that uh anyway i got it because um my original plan was that any movie that adam didn't want to see i would just go see on my own uh however when he learned that i purchased the movie passed even though he was like very against getting it uh once he learned that i purchased it he was like well fine i'm gonna get it too so he ended up getting it as well and uh we 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 used it only for one week but we watched three movies in that one week uh period um which was like last week (laughs) so uh yeah it's it's been really cool uh i'm liking it it's been very simple for us to use i know a lot of people like had a lot of trouble in the beginning but you know i feel like they probably fixed a lot of a, a lot of the glitches and a lot of the shit that they had to fix uh before I got to it. So, I'm glad that uh I got to uh to get it and um I'm going to be utilizing it from now on. So, the movies that I saw were A Quiet Place, which I effing loved. Uh Adam did not like it uh be- mostly because of the sound design, um but I loved it so much, and I won't talk about it too much, but I also saw Blockers, which is a fucking hilarious movie, and Love, Simon. And all three of those movies, even though I was able to do it with the movie pass, I would have paid to see, because I I loved all three of them. Um, anyway, that's <laughs> kind of what I've been up to. Uh, the reason we went to San Diego is because Adam's sister uh, is currently in a play down there, and if you guys get a chance to catch it if you live in san diego the tickets are quite expensive but um it's a really good play it's an original play and it's called the wanderers and it's playing at the old globe theater in san diego uh really good i really enjoyed it uh got very emotional during certain parts of it uh it's a five-person play and it it's it's one of those round uh house theaters where you everyone sits around the stage and the stage is in the center uh, which is a, a, a very difficult uh, type of play to be in and probably direct as well because you kind of have to move the characters around in a way that everybody in the audience gets to see them um, at some point uh, in the play. But also the fact that you have the characters who have the audience kind of just staring at every single angle of them. Uh, so blocking and all that stuff, like really matters. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking. I've had wine. Um, I think I'm going to make that my new thing. Just drink some wine while I'm while I'm talking because it relaxes me. Uh, as I said, it's been quite a while since I last recorded this thing. Uh, it's been over a month. I know that because I recorded this episode I'm releasing. Um, the interview part of it, I recorded over a month ago and uh, I just couldn't get into the studio to do this. Uh, whether because I was really busy or because I, you know, was going through some like 
depression, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> or, you know, other uh, other other things where I was feeling very unmo- unmotivated um, to, to do non-motivated. What is that correct word? Anyway, I wasn't feeling motivated to do anything, um, which has been a, a big struggle for me uh, as of late, as of the past like year or so, probably even longer than that. Um, and it's something that I'm trying to work past. And like, I, I feel like you guys probably hear me talk about it a lot, but I, I just, I, I guess I want to talk about it because it's, uh, it's something that's very real. I think that there, it doesn't, I don't feel like it makes me a bad person. I don't think that it makes other people bad people. I think that a lot of people uh, have creativity within them and at times they can't seem to get it out, uh, whether it's a lack of ideas in their head or, or a lack of uh, knowing how they want to execute those ideas or just a lack of motivation at the time. Um, I was actually having a conversation with one of my friends uh, a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about how we want to do all these projects and we start all these projects, but we start losing our motivation to do them because we start getting into our heads about how we how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive our own work and how we kind of beat ourselves up about what we're producing and whether or not, you know, people think it's good. We don't think it's good. And so it just kind of like lowers our motivation to continue to do it and to continue putting, you know, more stuff out there. And so I think that's what I've been struggling with uh, for sure. And so it was nice to talk to someone who, who has been going through that, you know, for quite some time as well. And, you know, you just got to kind of push through it. I I think I've mentioned it on the show where it's one of those things where I'm sitting on the couch thinking about I could start writing, um, I could record, I could edit, but there's this like weight on you that just keeps you from getting up and doing it. But once I actually get in the room and I start doing the thing that I want to do, uh, that weight kind of disappears and and I get really focused into what I'm doing. So I, I just wish that it was easier to be able to get to that point because when I'm on the couch or when I'm, you know, not on the couch doing something else, I don't know, uh, getting into the mindset of just fucking do it. Like that is one of the hardest things uh, for me as far as all this stuff that I work on. Um, that is the hardest thing to do is to just, tell myself like get up and actually physically make myself get up get into the workroom and like crack this shit out crack it out um pump it out I don't know (laughs) you guys know I'm not good with phrases um anyway uh I don't there there it is (laughs) there's there's a, a bit more into my life than you guys all bargained for uh but anyway I'm back and I'm glad there's a lot of news that has happened uh in regards to comic books, um, but uh, it, it's all past. I'm just going to quickly, briefly mention the whole uh, Kristen Wiig going to be Cheetah in Wonder Woman 2. I am in love with that idea. Um, I can't wait to see it. Uh, if you know Kristen Wiig's work, if you know it well, you know that she's not just a comedian. She has done dramatic work, and she's, she's done really, really good dramatic work. Um, there's the skeleton twins, which I absolutely love. There's, um, hate ship, love ship that she does a really great job in. Um, there's other movies. I personally have not seen mother yet, but I hear she's phenomenal in that. Um, a strange film. Apparently I do want to see it, but anyway, I'm very excited to see her in this role. 
in this villainous uh, role, depending on who they're going to go for as far as the Cheetah character. I think they're probably going to go with Barbara Minerva, which is the more recent uh, incarnation of Cheetah, I believe. Uh, but anyway, very excited to see that. But there's uh, other news that I am not going to actually talk about because I'm not supposed to do news first. <laughs> I'm supposed to do my recap. Uh, so let's just get into the recap and uh, we'll continue into news after that. I have a few things of news that I want to talk about that are a bit more recent than the Wonder Woman news. But anyway, uh, the recap that I'm doing this week is from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Now, this is just a coincidence, uh, and I'll tell you why it's a coincidence that I'm talking about this uh, this episode after the interview. But anyway, I'm recapping uh, number six. This is issue number six. It's called Familiars of uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. This is an Archie Comics uh, comic book. Um, so anyway, the story is by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, art by Robert Hack, letters by Jack Morelli. All right, so let's... Let's do this. Um, the issue starts by defining the word familiar as a noun, meaning a demon supposedly attending and obeying a witch, often said to assume the form of an animal. Uh, so there you there you have it. It's it's basically like an animal usually that kind of like guides and 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 uh, serves a witch. So anyway. We start getting these sort of nursery rhymes about a mouse in a house. It's running around the kitchen looking for food. And then we see that Salem, the cat, is in there as well, watching the mouse run around. And um, for those who don't know, Salem is a cat. He's Sabrina's cat. And this series is based off of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I don't know if I said that. But um, so he is her cat. He can talk and everything. Uh, so anyway, Salem starts remembering how he used to be a man who enjoyed cheese and bread and beer. So he doesn't have any interest in a mouse. Um, but as the mouse starts eating some crumbs, in come two cobras that rip it in half and basically devour it. Um, so as I said, Sabrina, I mean, sorry, Salem is Sabrina's familiar. And the two cobras that come on, come in, Nag and um, Nag Nagaina, I think that's how you pronounce it, Nagaina, are Familiars to um, Sabrina's cousin, Ambrose. So the two cobras, Nag, Nagaina, familiars to Ambrose. Uh, Ambrose is Sabrina's cousin who is staying with her and her aunts. Um, kind of like a, not necessarily a foreign exchange student because he's not going to school, but he's there because things aren't working out in England where he is from. Or london england i don't know <laughs> they begin uh the the familiars they begin having a conversation and soon turn it into basically a story time of how they all became familiars and we start with nag and nagaina um they were once royalty a prince and a princess in what i think is supposed to be india uh they say that they had everything and yet they wanted more they were greedy kids they had a teacher named sorkar who claim to have mystical powers. He tells them that their father, the Maharaja, is planning to build something for his new bride. Turns out their mother died during childbirth, um, giving birth to the twins, um, or the, yeah, the twins. I think they're twins. Um, so they were worried that this new bride was going to give him, like, more children who he would eventually love more than them. Um, so they went to their teacher and he basically encouraged their fears, telling them that um, that's what their father's bride was planning to do, was to have kids. So 
they ask their teacher to help them stop the wedding. And he tells them this like elaborate plan. He says he's going to give them spiked wine to give to the bride's guards. They will go into her room, murder her, and then smear her blood on the guards who are knocked out. Um, their father will sentence the guards to death and there will be an execution instead of a wedding. Their father will be devastated and have only his two children to console him. Um, within the year, he will die of a broken heart and they will become the new rulers. And so that's like his big old plan. Um, so they like basically agree to do it. So when they go to execute this plan, everything goes well until the actual murder has to take place. When they are in the bride's room, she's not in her bed. Uh, their father catches them and he gives thanks to Sarkar, who's their teacher, for warning him of their plan to kill his bride. Um, Sarkar convinces their father to like let him punish them, but not with death. So he betrayed them and now he's like using this trust that he gained uh, to kind of like duel out a, a punishment to them. So their father agrees and Sarkar leads them into the jungle and turns them into cobras. But before he leaves, he warns them that they should, uh, that if they were to come back seeking revenge, um, he's going to be gifting their father like a mongoose for his wedding. So basically mongoose, mongooses, <laughs> they eat cobras they eat snakes and stuff uh they're able to withstand uh the bite and the poison and stuff uh it doesn't affect them the way it would other animals so anyway they stayed outside the palace and like watch from a distance as sarkar's plans like take place like no more than a year passes when sarkar and the bride poison their father um, the new wife becomes the queen and after feigning grief for some time she marries sarkar one day, the new king and queen were out riding an elephant and something, wink, wink, scared the elephant, falling back and crushing Sarkar and the queen. They later found, they later found, uh, the, the cobras, they later found an Indian uh, fakir who I think is like someone who worships God, but also might be poor. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm no good at Google. <laughs> but I think that's the definition that I found of it. It's like this, this impoverished person who worships God, but I don't know why he would be able to... Anyway, they decide that they're going to serve him because he told them that he was going to turn them back, but turns out that he couldn't. Uh, he didn't have the power to do it. So uh, they need a witch. So he sold them to Ambrose's uncle. Now, Ambrose is the cousin that we mentioned earlier. And he gave them to Ambrose to be his familiars, and now they're waiting to see if Ambrose will change them back one day. So then it's Salem's turn to tell his story. So he begins in 1692 on the Black Pearl arriving at Boston Harbor. At this point, his actual name is Samuel. So he hears that there are jobs in Salem, and that's where he decides that he's going to head. Um, he meets a man who just so happens to need someone to work on his fields. Uh, he's able to provide food and board, and so Samuel is now working for John Proctor. Uh, don't we all know that name? If you don't, Google it, loca. <laughs> he builds a life with the Proctors and begins to hook up with their servant girl. That's what they put in, servant girl. <laughs> Her name is Abigail Williams. Um, they began hooking up like every night except for on full moons. Those nights, they made it a point to say that he slept alone in a barn with the animals, including a black goat. So Samuel lived a normal Puritan life 
He worked the fields, grew closer to the Proctor family, went to church and admired the women. One in particular named Mercy Lewis, who he always kind of like fancied, but also found curious. He just always paid attention to her. Anyway, one night when he was in bed or in haystack, he slept on a haystack with blankets, (laughs) with Abby, uh, she seemed a bit cold to him and he's trying to like figure out what's going on. Eventually she tells him that she's pregnant and wants to get married to basically avoid scandal. Samuel rejects her claiming he has like nothing to offer her. And so she says, quote, then you've ruined me and I am lost. So after that night, they went on like nothing was happening. Like they just acted like that night never happened. I don't think that they were hooking up anymore. It's not clear. But one night he approaches her and asks why she hasn't said anything to the proctors. And he urges her basically to go away, have the baby, and quote, do with it as you will. (laughs) Um, Abigail is pissed by the suggestion that she let the baby die. She spits on him and like curses him. Um, The next day, John Proctor tells Samuel that he wants to open an inn and have Samuel run it. John then says that Abigail has gone to stay with a sick aunt. Later on, Mercy, the the woman who Samuel was like kind of fancying, approaches him and asks how he's doing with Abigail being gone. Samuel plays it cool, says he's fine. Mercy then invites him out that night in the woods behind the Proctor home. That night, he goes to the woods and... And he sees someone he thinks is Mercy, but sorpresa, it's Abigail. And surrounding them are naked women coming out from like behind the trees. Abigail tells him that he ruined her. She she was to marry the black goat in the barn. Um, turns out the goat is the dark lord who was after Sa- uh, Samuel's blood. And Abigail just say, <laughs> decides that he will have Samuel's blood. And we find out she fed their unborn child to the goat. <laughs> Very creepy. Um, so she then proceeds to explain that he must be punished. And her aunt suggests, like the aunt that she supposedly was staying with, I guess she really was because that's where she's at now. <laughs> the aunt is there naked and uh, not pretty. <laughs> she's very troll looking like, and I'm not saying that because she was old and fat, but because her face is literally like, looks like she's got gout and <laughs> just like these teeth and these big eyes and stuff. She looks like a troll. <laughs> but anyway, her aunt suggests that she's old enough to have a familiar and that she should turn Samuel into a cat. And so Abigail does. Um, when Abigail then returns to the proctor's home with Samuel as the cat, uh, pretending not to know of Samuel's whereabouts, soon after the witch hunts begin, And uh, we all know the Salem witch hunts. So witches, as well as innocents, were burned and hung and stuff. And Abigail and Mercy uh, decide that they're going to leave town. And Samuel hides so that he won't have to go with them. Uh, As Samuel walks the outskirts of town amongst the hanged men and women, the Dark Lord appears and tells him that he will forever be named for the town that massacred the witches. Now, up until this point, Samuel the cat didn't have a name. He was just the cat. So now his name is going to be Salem. And the Dark Lord granted him the ability to speak as well. So um, 
he will remain a familiar to witches like that. The Dark Lord tells him, like, you will always be a familiar to witches. That is your purpose. And one day he will serve a girl that is both less than a witch and more than a witch. Um, And if he does this, then he may be turned back into a human. And 400 years later, he is now Sabrina's familiar charged with protecting her. Um, so far, he has only needed to protect her from like a broken heart after her boyfriend Harvey was killed by the witches. Um, this happens earlier in the se- in the series, but uh, soon Sabrina gets a phone call on the f- phone, <laughs> and it's Harvey back from the dead. And Salem realizes, oh, this is what it's all led to, and. That's where the issue ends. Now, the reason I chose this uh, issue to read is because I'm kind of, now I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with, but I really enjoy the idea of familiars and demons. Um, demons, D-A-E-M-O-N, <laughs> not demons, D-E-M-O-N. Um, if you listen to the the podcast, uh, that the episode that I did with Lauren Shippen, um, the Bright Sessions episode, I forget which number that is, but if you listen to that, we talked about uh, the Golden Compass and the His Dark Materials series. And in that series, uh, there is a reality, a universe that exists where people's kind of, it's not really their conscience, but it kind of is. It's like an, a, a piece of them lives on the outside. A piece of their soul lives on the outside of them and takes the form of an animal. Um when they're young, the animals are always, they can change into anything that they want. They could be a bird, they could be a ferret, they could be a fox, they could be a dog, they could be whatever they want. Um, kind, it kind of, they kind of change depending on the emotions and uh, any kind of like situations that they, they happen to be in. Um, once these people reach maturity, their demons take on a permanent form um, and they can no longer change from then on. But anyway... Uh, that's why I decided to read this one or to recap this one is because I just love the idea of familiars and I've always been obsessed with that. Not obsessed. I can't say obsessed because that's not true, but I've always loved the idea of familiars. Anyway, that's issue number six of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's get on to some news. Uh, there's been quite a bit. I'm going to start off with my saddest bit of news. And this came out a few weeks ago, um, back in March, like mid-March. So, all new Wolverine is coming to an end. Um, the last issue is going to be number 35, Old Woman Laura. Then we will get a new Laura book called X-23. Yeah, she's going back to that title. A part of me is very sad, but a part of me is happy that she's still going to have a solo book. But then a part of me is super disappointed because Tom Taylor isn't going to be writing the book. It's going to be Mariko Tamaki. Um, I get that it's probably better to have a woman writing a woman, but I've, I loved Tom's Laura I felt like he really understood her character and did some really great stuff with her he never sexualized her and he always gave her a voice she was three-dimensional she had flaws she grew a lot in the series and admittedly I'm not a huge fan of Miracle um she wrote the recent She-Hulk run which started off as just Hulk, then she became She-Hulk during the whole legacy 
thing, um, Marvel Legacy. And I think the character was interesting, but the book was kind of meh. <laughs> um, it took a while for Miracle to get a hold of who Jennifer was in the series, and the style of the book kept changing. Um, in the end, I think Miracle finally got her voice down, but I feel like it was too late. And honestly, that could be the fault of the editors or or maybe just the story that was being told. Because in the beginning of the Hulk series, uh, Jennifer was very depressed because she was dealing with her cousin, Bruce Banner, being dead, like being murdered. And, and dealing with the fact that she had just started healing from uh, Thanos nearly killing her. Um, this was right before Civil War II uh, that this happened or the events leading into Civil War II. And uh, so the the first half of that series, I think it only ran for like 13 issues or so, but the first half of that series was Jennifer kind of being depressed and kind of coming to terms with whether or not she should be Hulk. Um, eventually she decides that she should, but uh, that's kind of when the book shifted a bit and it got a little bit more lighthearted. And we saw for the first time after she dealt with that, we saw for the first time, her breaking the fourth wall and being kind of that uh i don't know if it was late 80s or 90s or maybe it was even 2000s where they established that she hulk was one of the characters in marvel that could break the fourth wall kind of like deadpool um but anyway she started doing that and stuff and she started hanging out with um one of her best friends hellcat uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm going on on a tangent. Um, I, I, I don't know if it was Miracle's writing or it, I, the writing was fine. It was the stories, I guess. But I don't know if that was Miracle's fault or if it was the editor's fault. So anyway, I just hope that she can latch on to Laura quicker because I would hate for the book to be canceled due to the lack of sales or interest. But Juan Cabal is going to be the artist and he did the art for the Orphan X run of All New Wolverine. And I love his his art and I absolutely loved and drooled over his docken. Um, he's very sexy. So at least there's some familiarity. Anyway, Tom Taylor is still writing Laura and Gabby in X-Men Red. So at least there's that. I am very intrigued to find out what Marvel will get him next. I was hoping that fresh start wouldn't touch Tom and Laura, but they are really shaking it up with the creative teams. So, you know, that, that dream is gone. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there's that bit of news that that's sad, but you know, still uplifting news, I guess. Laura's going to be back. I'm sad that she's no longer going to be Wolverine because Wolverine is back. Bleh. Uh, but, you know, people love Wolverine, so I guess that's fine for them. It's sad for me. Anyway, there is uh, more news. There is a new event happening with the X-Men. I feel like they have like two or three events a year. But anyway, uh, there's a new event happening for the X-Men. And this is coming from writer Ed Brisson who has written Iron Fist, Old Man Logan, and Cable. And the art is going to be done by Pepe Larraz. Uh, who's done Uncanny Avengers, and he's currently doing the No Surrender run of Avengers. And then the covers are going to be by Mark Brooks, who has done the No Surrender Avengers covers, Secret Empire, Astonishing Ant-Man. Um, anyway, there aren't very many details about this event. Did I tell you say what the event was? It's called Extermination. There aren't very many details um, yet, I don't think. Uh, this, this was 
announced earlier this month. But the cover that was released shows the OG X-Men and the time-displaced teens. The OG-looking team on one side and the time-displaced-looking team on the other side being split down the middle, half-and-half style by like a lightning bolt. The tagline is, exterminate the past, eliminate the future. So theories are that there may be a villain planning to kill the time-displaced teens in order to erase the X-Men from Marvel history, um, or maybe the two versions are going to merge together. Um, No word on it, though. So it makes me a little sad. As some of you may know, I really like the time-displaced teens. I'm concurrently reading the original run from the 60s and seeing them side by side is kind of satisfying but I get that there are longtime fans of the X-Men that can't stand the teens one of them being uh, Darren who's been on the show a couple of times Um, so though I understand that they may have to go away soon I'm still saddened by it they've just changed so much you know Anyway, the event starts in August, um, and I'm sad to see them go. And one of the things that, like, is affirmative to them not being here much longer is that Cyclops, young time display Cyclops, just left the champions. And, oh, that makes me so sad. And he left the champions on the very last issue that Mark Wade was writing of champions now it's Jim Zub and I like his writing too but I really enjoyed uh Mark Wade's run on um the champions and uh it was a really really sweet goodbye that he wrote for Cyclops and apparently Cyclops is one of his favorite characters anyway there is like this little mini story in there that explains why Cyclops is kind of the way he is why he acts kind of like the the you know non-humor dad a lot of the times um it's a very sweet story and it's a very sweet goodbye that he has and it made me really sad but also kind of happy for him because it kind of leaves him in a good place (laughs) maybe (laughs) but he's off to do not so great things or you know not in not great situations (laughs) so anyway that's extermination coming in august what are your thoughts on that um i hope i hope it doesn't make me super super sad (laughs) um and then there's my last bit of uh news for this episode wow it's already 30 minutes in okay this is my last news for the for the episode um fx the network has ordered a pilot for why the last man so it'll be written by michael green and ida mashaka kroll and they will be showrunning the series. So Michael was a writer on Logan, the movie, and he is the co-creator and writer of American Gods on Stars. Now, if you haven't seen American Gods, it's an amazing show. They do. I think I've talked about it on this episode. I mean, on this show before, but American Gods is fucking art. Like it is art. I love that series. Um, it's only had one season, and Brian Fuller and Michael Green are not show running, but uh, uh, Neil, um, oh my God, why can't I think of his name? Neil Gaiman is going to come in to write. I don't know if he's show running, but he's going to come in to write. So maybe it'll be fine. I don't know. Uh, I'm really sad that they aren't going to be doing this the second season. 
Um, and then a lot of actors aren't coming back because of, of the change in showrunners. Um, so I don't know. It seems like kind of a train wreck, but a, they're still moving forward. I don't know that they've actually started production in season two. Anyway, tangent. Um, I digress. So anyway, he <laughs> that's who he is. That's who Michael Green is. And Ida Mashaka Kroll was um, a writer on season two of Jessica Jones. And uh, she was a writer on Luke Cage. So they both got really good credits um, and really good projects under their belt. So this is actually quite exciting. Brian K. Vaughn is producing. So at least we've got him on the project in some capacity. I don't think he's going to be writing anything, but he is producing. Um, I don't know if any of you know who Julia Morizawa is. She plays Dr. Bright in the Bright Sessions. That's the second plug of this episode for the Bright Sessions. Um, well, y'all know how much I love that podcast. Um, I'm kind of picturing her as Dr. Man. Uh, if you don't know the series, go check it out. Why the Last Man is so good. But I'm picturing her as Dr. Man. Anyway, the creative team on this seems very solid so far. So I'm pretty excited to see what they do. I'm going to have to finish the series before the the comic book series before the show comes out or at least stay way ahead of the show because I think I'm on book three right now and there might be like nine books. I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, so that's the end of the news. I spoke for a very long time and I haven't even had a sip of my wine. I'm going to do that right now, but I'm going to do it away from the mic because I had one person be like, yeah, you didn't drink on Mike. And then later they came back and said, oh, no, you did. <laughs> so I apologize for that. I wasn't even trying to or not to drink on Mike. But BRB for a quick second while I have some wine. I'll just make some mm noises, okay? Mm. <laughs> All right. Enough of me being silly. Now it's time for the interview uh, for the actual show. Um this is the actual show. Come on, guys. <laughs> okay, so this episode, I really, 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 for a long, long time, you know, even before the podcast, had always wanted to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it is such a huge show and it's impacted millions of people. And they get, you know, the show gets new fans like every day. I have to believe that. <laughs> um, it's currently on Hulu, so you can go watch the whole thing there if you haven't seen it already. But it was kind of a groundbreaking show. Anyway, um, so I invited Lindsay Calhoun-Bring and Adam Knoll to be on the episode to talk about Buffy. Now, we didn't get to talk about everything that we wanted to talk about. This is a show that ran for seven seasons, so there's a lot, and we kind of quickly go through each thing. I had so many things I wanted to talk about, but there just wasn't enough time. And maybe one day we can do a part two of this and really start uh, deep diving into individual characters and stuff. I think we just barely scratched the surface. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to mention this before the interview, but there is a point in the, in the, in the discussion where I say that I've always considered female characters to be uh, more interesting and more complex. And Lindsay disagrees with me. Um, and I didn't really know why I said that at the time. I knew I believed it, and I still do. 
uh, but I couldn't really articulate why at the time, so I didn't. But <laughs> now that I've had a, a few minutes to sit with it or over a month to sit with it, I do have a reason. And um, I will explain that after the interview. But just know that um, I wasn't just talking out of my ass, which I do like 99% of the time. <laughs> anyway, here is the episode where we're talking all about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it starts right now. All right, everyone, welcome back from that little tiny break. Um, I am here with Lindsay Bring and Adam Noel. No. Noel? No. Yeah. I always, see, look it's at okay. me. I, I, I fuck up names. That's it used to be Noel, you know, like probably <laughs> hundreds to? of years oh, ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I changed it recently. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so uh, some of you guys may remember Lindsay Bring from the Penguins vs. Uh, Possums podcast yes. that I did uh, a few months ago mm-hmm. with you. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, that. thank you for having <laughs> me. Oh, and that was amazing. That was so much fun with yeah. Sebastian um, and, and John. And we talked about Power Rangers. Yeah, that was the thing that we were obsessed with, them, Which was the Power like, Rangers movie. <laughs> any, any opportunity I can uh, bring up Power Rangers, I will. So, <laughs> so that was this one. Uh, and then Adam, you guys may remember from when he uh, was on here to talk about Why the Last Man. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, and since then, I'm maybe like a quarter of the way through the series oh, now. Oh, so, man. So, yeah. It's a big uh, Brian K. Von day. Yeah. Yeah, since yeah. it's uh, Buffy sitch. Yeah. Oh, we're talking about Buffy, you guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Um, but first, before we get into that, I want to ask what you guys are currently enjoying in life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Adam, I want to let you go first. All right. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, I agree with you. You know, I have been watching the new Queer Eye on Netflix. It's so good. It's really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've cried every episode so far. <laughs> I think I've watched maybe five out of the eight episodes. So I just have a few more left. But wow. Like, I mean, some of it's kind of cheesy and some of it's a little yeah. bit pulling on your heartstrings a little too hard. But then it's just like, just go with it. Just <laughs> let the tears flow. It's fine. Just go with it. I almost when uh, Richard was uh, when Richard told us to say what we we're obsessed with. Uh, Adam said that. And I was like, fuck, that's what I've been obsessed with, too, uh, because I feel like it's just such an injection of positivity yeah. that really I haven't is. had yeah. in a while. And it just feels like a warm blanket to go home and want to watch this. And I already finished it. I'm really oh. sad that it's done. It was so good. Mm-hmm. It just made me feel good and yeah. happy. You know, it's a lot of the guys on the show, the, the straight guys. Well, not all of them are straight, but most mm-hmm. of the subjects anyway just all they you know they have all kind of gone through a dark place and they just need yeah. somebody to kind of like shake them a little bit yeah. and show them a better way and just to tell them that they're a good person and it's like all that needs to happen and then the tears are flowing with from everybody <laughs> that's a good way of putting it i uh also i'm from georgia i'm from the oh. south and i actually think that it's pretty interesting that they did the take of doing it in atlanta and doing it in the south because it is a different type yes. of pool of people that they're pulling from yeah, you know as yeah. opposed to new york or right, right. Uh, mm-hmm. la one of our bubbles so did you guys ever watch the original queer mm-hmm. right yes okay i yeah. never did uh, I loved it, but it was a different feeling than yeah, this. Yeah, it, it was, at the time, it was definitely right. Mm-hmm. Um, not everything would work the same way today, which I think all the changes that they've made, which haven't really been that many, the format's almost identical. It's just right. the people are a little different. The location's a little different. And of course, all the new five queers are different. Mm-hmm. Very different. And I feel like each episode had a very strong theme that was really timely that yeah. each one of the um, men on the show sort of connected with with one of the participants. Yes. Uh, which I thought was really smart, whether it was 
a black man with a white cop or mm-hmm. whether it was someone sort of going through a closeted experience. Mm. It was really interesting. Or someone yeah. who has been sort of burned by religion, helping someone whose religion is their life. I thought mm-hmm. it was just so good. Yeah. Why aren't we talking about the new crack? <laughs> why, why isn't this the entire podcast? I mean, it can be uh, some of the podcasts for sure. Uh, yeah. I've only watched two episodes of it. And what I've noticed about it is that I feel like it's, perfect for the time we're in right now yeah. because it is like you guys said so positive mm-hmm. and so much about like living your your life well and and I don't know it, it it just feels perfect and those two episodes that I did watch the first two I did cry as well yeah. and, and it does a really good job of doing that to you uh-huh yeah. Well, and I'm a huge fan of the Jonathan Van Ness's mm-hmm. Gay of Thrones po- web series. Yes, yeah. yes. So seeing him on the show is a <laughs> lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you guys are questioning whether or not you should watch it, definitely take take a take a chance on it because it is good. And I and I do want to finish it, but um, I'll yeah, finish it. I'm only two episodes. <laughs> in. It's so good. Um, Lindsay, how about you? Okay, so I know I know what I'm obsessed with, and it's not be Bobby Flay. <laughs> guys before I was like I haven't watched anything except Beat Bobby Flay on repeat on at night on the Food Network uh Channel Zero have I talked to you about what? this no I don't no. know what that is okay I'm obsessed with Channel Zero it is a horror anthology show on sci-fi oh only six episodes they just started season three uh the first season started Paul Schneider it was all about this uh this like man who goes home uh, to his childhood home and kids have gone missing and there was this uh, old pirate show that kids used to watch on TV and it used to like possess kids and make them do weird things. And like at the end of the first episode, you know, he's asking his mom, what about that show? And she's like, what show? You and your brother used to sit in front of the TV and just watch static. Oh, my God. <laughs> the second season's but my favorite. Um, it's uh, I want to say Murder House, but that is obviously American Horror Story. It's um. The No End House is the name of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically about this haunted house that just pops up in different cities. Oh. And so this group of friends go to this haunted house. They wait in line. You, like, follow it on social media. You find out about it. They go in. And then there's six rooms in the house. And each one of the rooms plays on their own psychological fears. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I'm <laughs> obsessed with it. Loved the second season so much. And I just watched the first episode for the new season. So I would say check it out if you're a horror fan and each season is six episodes each season so far has been six episodes okay um at least the first two i don't know if this one will be any longer but it's super easy commitment and what's it's, it called again uh, maybe six to eight maybe it's 40 episodes oh. who knows <laughs> it's a, it's a short i feel like it's six to eight episodes it's short it's six to four 22 episodes uh it's called channel zero channel zero and uh it's on sci-fi and I think that actually each season is um, born out of like stories online mm-hmm. that like, inspired the season, oh. which is cool. Huh. A big fan of it. Um, where can you, is it like on Netflix or anything like that? Uh, you can, Hulu? you can, I downloaded the sci-fi app oh. and watched it that oh. way. Okay. So have cable, download yeah. the sci-fi app. I bet there's another way to watch <laughs> it. That's just, I had sci-fi, so I just did it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my, um, my dad has the cable that everyone uses mm-hmm. so the we cable? download the, the cable the <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah i just use his login for all my apps that do I that can. yeah yeah i will um no i've never heard of it but i love horror 
But just a shout out to Bobby Flay. I just want to <laughs> tell you that. He, he uh, needs some love. Yeah, right. it's been a good time to coming home after a long day and popping on Food Network. And it's just a show I can count on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For those warm fuzzies. Yeah, I don't want them left out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bobby Flay. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, real quick, what I'm enjoying lately is Overwatch. Um, oh. And like, oh. I typically don't like playing games like that where it's like you're you're online with other players like that's the only way you can play it is by playing with other people because i i'm so like afraid of like being yelled at yeah. by yeah. little kids <laughs> I, I understand that fear <laughs> and, and um so i've been i've been doing a lot of that and surprisingly no one has been like pissed off at me oh, even good. though i'm really really bad um I, cause like the type of person that I am, like the player that I am is I always go in guns blazing. Like I can't strategize in games yeah. to like save my life. Like I just, I can't for whatever reason. So anyway. Is Overwatch been, all like a player versus player format or yeah. is it? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like no solo anything that you can do uh-huh. unless you just like go in the training room by yourself. And yeah. that's it. Like, <laughs> that's what I would do. I would just make a life there. <laughs> I would just hoard supplies and right, hang but out like, there. It's, it's always the same room and you can't really do anything other than like fight robots that are just like stationary. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so oh. it's not fun. I mean, it's fun for when you're like trying to learn how to play different characters and stuff, but um, <laughs> you have to play with other people. <laughs> and, uh, that was like my first turn off, but then it was on sale and I was like, there's an event where you get to switch out their outfits. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, but yes, I <laughs> will of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's like all you need to tell me. Um, what is, platform do you play on? Uh, PlayStation yeah. 4. Yeah. Ooh. Nice. Um, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Not the original PlayStation? No, unfortunately, they don't make it for the original oh. PlayStation. <laughs> oh, well, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't even think that can get online. Where yeah. all the games are on disc. On the, oh, uh-huh. yeah, they still are, right? For PlayStation, yeah. well, I mean, they se- you mean just like in general? Yeah, yeah they sell okay. discs still, but I think yeah. people don't do that as much anymore. Okay, well, fine. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, what is what is reality? <laughs> I don't know. I've been playing um, Nintendo Tetris all day, so I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little behind the times. Uh, just a little bit. A you're, little. you're getting there, okay. though. <laughs> all right, with all that aside, um, we're going to get into our discussion, which is uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <sighs> now... I have always had feelings about this show, which I'm sure like 90% of the world has. Yeah. Um, and I had recently finished the series again, and I posted online about like, oh, what was your favorite season or something? I forgot mm-hmm. what I asked. And you two were one of the ones who were like, were prominently like, I love this. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, why don't I do an episode? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So here we are. And I do have a list of questions that I wanted to ask. Um, and we don't have to like, be strict about our discussion. We can let it go wherever it wants because this was a seven-season series. I know. <laughs> okay, and there's so much to discuss. So much, and I've watched it. I'm sure you have too. I've I've watched the series multiple times, but I still mm-hmm. like forget so much that happened. Yeah. you know. And I realize there are episodes that I watch more than others, and or uh-huh. like seasons I watch more than others because yeah. I liked them more. Mm-hmm. So I definitely have some blank spots. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for uh-huh. sure. Um, one of the questions I had for you guys was. When did you start watching it? Mm. When it first came out as a 
as like I don't know how old yeah. you guys are, but like <laughs> as kids, because like when it came out, I was young. I was probably like a preteen or something. Uh, yeah, I think I was 11. Like 11 or 12 or something. I'm like that. a little older than you guys. I'm actually kind of the same age as them. Oh, <laughs> on the show. 99? Like I graduated 98. Oh. What? And so I and they graduated high school 99. So mm. I actually didn't watch it at the time because then I was in college mm-hmm, while they were mm-hmm. doing, you know, and you don't have time to watch TV in college. Right. And so I basically binged it after college. Unless you went to Valdosta DVD. State University. <laughs> right. <laughs> like <I did>. right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I sort of binge watched them all, I think pretty much right after the show finished, which I oh, think was wow, what, okay. 2003? Three, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I probably watched them all in like 2004, 2005. Okay, so you probably time. have a different perspective of the first time you watched it than yeah. from us. Yeah. Because, and I'll let you speak in a second, no, but you... like when I first watched it, being a little kid, I didn't really understand a lot of what was happening, like the themes of it anyway, like the importance of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought like as a kid, I thought it was just cool to see like a woman fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, vampires. yeah, like, right. It, and it, it, it is. And it is cool <laughs> because like as a kid, you know, being gay and everything, mm-hmm. like I didn't have any real role models at the time of like which gay character can I look at to right. be cool. So like mm-hmm. all my characters were women, all of them. Uh-huh. I always loved watching females more than male characters oh, yeah. always like in any kind of like fighting situation i always thought like their characters were more developed or like they had a little bit more like uh depth to them mm-hmm. um whether it was true or not like you i always just with them. loved yes i mm-hmm. connected them with them so much more um so that's why like that was Im- my immediate like mm-hmm. attraction to this show uh what about you Lindsay? So my immediate attraction was I had actually loved the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ni- 92, I think, was it? Uh, Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens, <laughs> Luke Perry, Christy Swanson, Donald Sutherland. I loved the movie. And I uh, grew up with a lack of supervision, but a cable box. So we uh-huh. stole cable from the neighbors. And uh-huh. we, um, latchkey kid? A total latchkey. It was on my own. <laughs> uh, and I just was so obsessed with the movie. And uh, I remember we didn't have like the WB channel yet. But at 12.38 a.m., because I would say it way too late. At 12.38 a.m., Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show aired. And I caught an episode of it. It was such like a weird cable mm-hmm. thing. And I became obsessed. So I would stay up every week at 1238 a.m. to watch the show. Mm -hmm. And then like as the years progressed, it would come. We got like the WB and it would come on at its normal time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just was so into it. But I think for me, too, I like connected with the the strong girl kicking ass vampires. Mm -hmm. I loved horror from a young age. And I um, I think this was something maybe I got later on a rewatch. But I. I think sometimes I felt the opposite of you where I'd seen a lot of female driven shows or movies where the women didn't think had a lot to do. Or mm-hmm. even if they were in the lead, they were the least interesting character. It was mm. always the guy. It was always like the sidekick or the love interest who mm. got to be funny or who was like the really the person that saved the day. Mm-hmm. And for me, Buffy was a show about this girl who got to be she was hilarious. Like right. She got to be funny. It was scary. It was dramatic. And then it finished when I was in high school. And then some of the themes from the first couple of seasons really like hit me hard mm-hmm. when I was finishing the show. And yeah. then I've since rewatched it. Right. Yeah. Well, in, in j- even just talking about this Buffy being the strong female, mm-hmm. the fact that her relationship with Willow is such a central thing to the entire yeah. series, you know, mm-hmm. and this relationship between two women, one of them, you know, which of course becomes a lesbian yeah. at a later time. And like this, this kind of friendship, which, you know, becomes adversarial and, you know, reconciliatory and, you know, that's something that's really important and you don't see all that often. Right. You know, depictions of real like 
female friendships. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. Exactly. That's Where it's m- not just about guys. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. fighting over boys. Yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. Um, when did you guys feel that you realized that this show was really dealing with some serious themes? Because for me, going through the first season, she was always Buffy was always this like quirky character. Mm-hmm. Like she she always had these like one liners. She was very quick with her humor and everything, mm-hmm. and it didn't seem like much was serious like yeah we had mm-hmm. the master and everything mm-hmm. but i didn't feel like there were any stakes emotionally or anything until towards the last episode i think it's like prophecy girl or something yeah. where giles like tells her like you're the prophecy says you're gonna meet with the master and you're gonna die and she's like giles i'm 16, I'm 16. i don't want to die and like that's like <laughs> the first moment that you're like oh shit <laughs> like, what at least that was for me like what was yeah. it for you guys well, for you. Uh, well, the the turning point of the series, because let's be honest, like the first season. The first season is, is <laughs> problematic. Oh, my God. <laughs> there are things I like love about it. it the kitchenness, the like super 90s of it. Yeah. But like the internet ghost. We have an internet ghost. <laughs> yeah. episode. I mean, yeah. we can't forget what the show was then. I think the show became real and more grounded like the middle of season two. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is where exactly. I, where it really hit me. And we're spoiling shit, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Can oh, we yeah. spoil? Okay, yeah. guys. Can we spoil 1997's Buffy the Vampire? <laughs> Exactly, twenty-year-old spoilers. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, for me it was the moment. Obviously, like when when Angel becomes Angelus. Mm-hmm. You me know? too. But but the moment is after he kills Miss Calendar. Oh my god! Oh, and gosh. leaves her in Giles's bed. Can we just talk about this for a second? Can we? Because I just rewatched this episode because I was thinking of my favorites. And and you this posted one of, it on Instagram. I know. This is one of my favorite episodes for a few reasons. Uh-huh. One, this kind of hit me as a girl in high school. And like later in college, I went back and I think rewatched it for the first time. Uh, just because the show was just like a chock full of metaphors. First of all, high school's on the mouth of hell. Right. Hello. It's right. this. <laughs> Two, the thing that hit me really hard was Buffy loses her virginity to her boyfriend and then he becomes a monster. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> this is why I like, this is what happens. Like you yeah. date these guys and this is like, this is love and first love and heartbreak all chopped up. Only in Buffy's world, he becomes a psychopath serial killer <laughs> who like, it stalks her and attacks her friends. But I think the miscalendar thing is so important because, uh, this was not like fodder. This was not like a friend right. who we meet in one episode or somebody random. She was like a core part of the group. Mm-hmm. And uh, Giles, who we love so much, was uh-huh. so emotionally invested and connected to her. And the way that she died yeah. to see the angel really is such a fucking villain. He's a vampire who didn't bite her. He snapped her neck because yeah. he uh-huh. wanted to. And the setup is so horrible. <laughs> I know. Oh my god! Okay. Also, I loved. Uh, now I'm just like hopping around. But one of my favorite things I always love the intros because I miss a TV yeah. intro. I miss oh, a yeah. theme song. Oh, yeah. With I miss the name of everyone in the cast. Yes, I miss <laughs> it. I love it. Like, and uh, for a long time, I feel like after that episode, Child's intro was always the scene of him like smelling the rose, and oh. it made me so sad. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and there are so many moments like that. I felt like. The show never really let the characters be happy ever yeah. <laughs> because either <laughs> yeah. their love interest was turning into a demon or they were dying mm-hmm. or they were leaving. Yeah. Like it would like, for instance, Buffy, um, like she she has sex with with Angel. He turns into a demon and she like has to come into this realization that like, oh, maybe he's never coming back mm-hmm. to the person that I love and so eventually she has to fight him and there's a moment (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, I I don't remember the episode name. It might be Close Your Eyes or something. But it's the, it's when Angel like in in his peak Angel like opens up a portal to like destroy the world. It's or the whatever. season finale, right? Yeah. Yeah. Season yeah, yeah, two, yeah. Season two finale and choices. I can't remember. Uh, something I yeah. I don't remember. I think but, it's a two parter, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And um. Before, or the episode that we see that Angel kills Miss Calendar, she has found out or discovered the spell to give mm-hmm. him his soul back, mm-hmm. and she puts it on a floppy disk. Uh-huh. <laughs> 3.5. Yes, uh, and, and it falls behind, in between like her desk and something else. I yeah, forget what. Like and it's hidden the entire time. And um, no one discovers it until I think it was Willow who discovers it later on, and she like goes in and finds out like oh shit this is the spell and she's like i'm gonna save this guy yeah and and he opens the portal and just like a minute later she's able to restore his soul and buffy and he are fighting for this period of time and he's like whoa buffy like where am i what's happened like i don't understand and she's just like crap like there's no way this ends well because you've opened this portal and I have, I have to kill, to kill you, you and you're back to the man I love. And you're the man I love and it's all those emotions just rush back. Mm-hmm. You're totally right. I think it's called close your eyes because I now it's all coming back to me. I remember the moment <laughs> when he's like disoriented and where am I and what happened and she just kisses him and kisses him and says close, close your, your eyes. eyes and then she stabs him <laughs> with a sword uh-huh. and sends him to the nether realm <laughs> to save the world. Because she yeah. had to choose the world over Angel. But what, like, 17-year-old girl's ever going to choose the world over her boyfriend? <laughs> oh, no. What a strong lady. <laughs> and and you just see that, like, constantly throughout the series. And, you know, when you... I, okay, here, let's talk about this. Okay. Yes. Dawn, the oh, character. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, little you, sis okay, coming. I, I feel like I'm the only one that liked Dawn and her introduction to the show because... I like her introduction. I feel like it was all yeah. Uh, upon rewatching the series, I feel like some things were really cool and laid out for yes. her. But she just annoyed the fuck out of me. She gets better. She, she does. Her. It's just that I mean, they literally throw the bratty kid sister character yeah. into the show, and everyone is annoyed that she's a bratty kid sister. So <laughs> yeah, it's like, she does well, a good job with it. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, I don't know if you guys watch Gossip Girl, but Michelle Trachtenberg mm-hmm. in Gossip Girl is like so deliciously evil. <laughs> <laughs> And such a bitch, like, and so it's, it's not, I don't think it's an issue with the actor, like, because she obviously has range, and she, I think she does the best she she can with the role. Mm. Um, But she's just written to be kind of annoying, but I definitely like Dawn, like, she, she comes around and, you know, like, especially in, like, in the last season. The last season, for sure, yeah, she, she grows. Yeah, and I always felt, like, a connection to her, because, as I said, I was watching it, you know, as it was coming out, and, like, having this new character who was, like, the younger sister, and I'm the younger brother Mm. of an older sister, and I was always the one, like, wanting to be with the friends, Uh and, like, trying to get their attention and stuff, and, like, always being annoyed by my older sister, and, Uh like, because she didn't want me around and stuff, and that Uh, was Dawn. I get it, You know, that was Dawn, and I was like, oh, I feel this, and, like... I'm just a normal human being, whereas, you know, Buffy was the older sister who was a slayer and stuff. And maybe Dawn didn't know it at the time, but, like, I just, like, related to that so much. So I really liked her on the show, and I wanted, like, for her to be more than what she ended up being, I guess. Um, I I think she evolved, for sure, as a character. She became better and, like, stronger and, and stuff, but... 
then she, you know, becomes the key. Right. <laughs> I know. But I do love that season. I feel like all of that played out really great. I love well, that season. And Glory is a good villain. She's such a great villain. My, what's, wait, who's your favorite villain? Not to get us mm. off track. I know mine. I want to say Glory just because of the kind of character she was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she was just so, like, valley almost like i don't know it she was, was hilarious just, she was hilarious like she 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 was all about like me 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 uh-huh. <laughs> and stuff like that and i don't know like it just like felt like really funny to watch her in every scene that she was in yeah because like also she was a god who was like struck down from the heavens or whatever mm-hmm. right yeah. And, yeah. and she was being punished or something and she just wanted to get back up there mm-hmm. uh to be a god again <laughs> and, and she was that's what her like motivation was but um yeah, yeah. Who, who, what about you guys? I mean, I, we were just talking about season two, but mine's Angelus. Angelus. Yeah. I just feel like there's there was never a better villain in terms of just the emotional weight of it and the mm-hmm. torture of it. And David Boreanaz was so... My, when my, when I, I made John, my husband, watch it with me for the first time, and he kept calling David Boreanaz David Boreanaz. <laughs> he was so bored with him. And then I when, the change, when the change happened in season two, I feel like he was never as good as when he was playing Angelus. He had so much fun. Uh-huh. He was mm-hmm. such a dick. Oh, yeah. And in season three, is it three when, it, maybe, oh no, maybe it's still two, when Spike and Drusilla are there and David mm-hmm. Bore, and Spike's in the wheelchair, it's two. And David Brown is such a dick to him. It's hilarious. <laughs> There's so many like wheelchair puns. Like Spike wants to go with them, and he's like, "No, I'm sure you'd be hell on wheels." I was <laughs> like, "You don't like it here. Why don't you walk on up the stairs and get out of here?" I just loved that he was uh, equal parts hilarious villain and also super sad emotional torture villain. Uh-huh. Um, and in thinking about one of my other favorite episodes in season two was "I Only Have Eyes for You." Do you remember this one? It was like the ghost possession one where there was uh, basically a ghost teacher, a ghost student. Um, oh, right. Who had shot each other. And mm-hmm. like their pain was mm-hmm. basically possessing kids. Right. And John Hawks is in it, by the way. John Hawks plays like a janitor. Uh, <laughs> possessing people. And then ultimately Buffy and uh, Angel end up getting possessed, but the roles are swapped mm-hmm. where she's kind of the boy and he's the girl. And they're right. like working through all of their sadness and pain yeah, yeah. off of him changing. It's just so good. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the show is so emotional. There's one thing that always pops into my mind, which is when um, Angel eventually comes back. Mm. It's uh, she there's a scene um, at the end of one of the episodes in season three where she he had given her a, a ring. It was like a Clado. I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah. Clado but ring one of those ones with the hands around the heart um and she like eventually decides that she needs to let him go and so she like goes back to where he used to live and she places her ring down there and then at the end she leaves and he appears again and uh throughout this time he's trying to like reconcile everything that he's done Mm -hmm. as angelus and um there comes a point where he decides that he probably shouldn't be alive Mm -hmm. and they he and Buffy are like arguing because he's going off to like this hill or something to wait for the sun's uh, sun to come up. Mm-hmm. And so she finds out that he's going to kill himself. And she's just like begging him to not do this. She's like, you know, you've done this evil stuff, but you have to like accept it and move on and mm-hmm. stuff. You can't just mm-hmm. kill yourself. And in the moment that the sun's supposed to rise, it doesn't. And it starts snowing. And it's like... <sighs> Yeah, and know, it, and they like mm-hmm. they're they're just like yelling and and screaming at each or she's yelling at him and he's just kind of taking it and it snows and she stops and they look at each other and they just like hold hands and walk down the street because it's like their moment of like oh maybe I shouldn't kill myself yeah. or like angel or whatever 
So many emotions. Oh, God. <laughs> emotions. Well, that's my favorite season, season three. Yeah. Uh, and my favorite big bad is the mayor from season three, mm, just because. Uh, very good. Everything that leads up to the, I think that's the best finale. Oh. I mean, just like Dumbledore's army. With, yeah. <laughs> totally. I, I love that finale. The graduation totally right. finale mm-hmm. is so good. Um, and the way he sort of manipulates Faith, but also like loves actually her. loves her and cares about her. Yeah. And sort of turns her into a villain too. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's, that's got the feels too. <laughs> it totally does. I agree with that. I was thinking about my favorite season and I was totally torn between two and three. Two just got me. Two had the edge for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. three, yeah, everything with Faith and the way that that finale goes. And, yeah. and season three had some really beautiful episodes. Like I remember loving the prom episode and having like Angel show up for her to dance mm-hmm. even though they were done. And at the uh-huh. end, Jonathan gives her the class protector yes. award <laughs> because yeah. she thought that nobody noticed all of this life saving she uh-huh. was doing, but they knew. So then at the end to like bring in the students and have them be a part of the fight was I thought yep. so great that yeah. definitely gave me the chills for sure um what and I because Faith I guess uh, is kind of like a villain but I never considered her a villain because right yeah I, agree. I felt like she was always manipulated not always but she was sometimes manipulated especially by the mayor and everything uh-huh. like even though they like he cared for her as like a daughter or something mm-hmm. um like he was he still, still kind of like out of her. bringing her over to the dark side and you know like when you're introduced to her, she talks about the fact that like she, her her watcher was killed in front of her and she couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so now she's just like going from town to town or whatever to get to Buffy's area. And she's alone. Yeah. Like she she doesn't have this friend group. She doesn't have this family that cares for her and everything. And she sees Buffy like being the slayer, having all of this stuff. And she's like, well, what about me? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. have any of that. And. That's why her character was so sad. And yeah. so, like, uh-huh. like you really felt for her because she was going through all this shit and she didn't know how to express it. So she, the only way she did it was being destructive. Mm-hmm. And, like, I could never be against her because, yeah. I know, yeah. because of that. She I was just, sympathetic. She yeah. was. Yeah. I can identify with that because she, yeah, she came in lonely. And as much as badass as Buffy was, she really was... I think so driven by all the people that loved her. Giles was her dad, really. Right. Her mom, no matter what, loved her. And she had her best friends who were always there. And to have nobody and nothing and to be compared against this person who has everything, mm-hmm. it's got to be tough. Yeah, and they were always like, Faith, just be good. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like she doesn't no, know any other like, way. That's not my life. Like, I didn't yeah. grow up having all this stuff. I can't just eat, just turn it around, even though it was, like, offered to her. Like, people right. wanted to help her. But and I can relate to that, like getting the offers of help and like people mm-hmm. wanting to help you, but you just don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. And I always loved her throughout the series. And she took Xander's virginity. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, we talk, okay. I love that episode. The Zeppo is one of my yes. favorite episodes. It's so good. Do you remember that? It was the when she took it. I, what was the episode though? Because I remember her taking. Yeah. She like kicks him out at the. End. It's one of my favorites, and see, and now you're like bringing me to the side of season three. <laughs> so in the Zeppo, uh, Xander is basically told by Cordelia, who I also love, uh, Cordelia, <laughs> oh, yes. that like he's the Zeppo of the group. You're the loser. Like you right. don't add anything. Mm-hmm. You're whatever. He's the tag along. He's the tag along. And so set against what is basically what would be like this apocalyptic, crazy season finale, we actually stay on Xander and Mm -hmm. follow him the entire episode. Uh And he gets into trouble. He like hangs out with zombies and accidentally (laughs) like resurrects the dead. And then they like break into a hardware store to like make a bomb and they're going to 
blow up the school. And Xander wants to go to all of his friends as he normally would and get help from Buffy and Giles and Willow. But they're all dealing with this huge fucking thing. So they can't uh-huh. help him. So he has this huge night and he like saves the day and saves the school without anybody knowing. And he runs into Faith and she fucks him and takes <laughs> his virginity. And he goes home. And then the next day you see he like walks past uh, the Scooby gang. And they're all like bloody and bruised and talking about what a crazy night. And it's so good that he missed it. And <laughs> oh my God. And then Cordelia sees him and is like, hey, loser. And he just kind of smiles and walks off because uh-huh. he knows he had the most epic night. And he's not going <laughs> to tell about it. It's so good. The best part about that episode is when they show the stuff that everyone else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's written like it would have been a super dramatic, you know, uh-huh. like emotional Finale. episode. Yeah. And they play it that way, which is why it ends up being so funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. I totally agree. Like, they all play it totally straight, but it's obviously in the context of Xander's episode, like, yeah. humor. You know, it's, it's perfect. So they do, uh, now that you're saying that, there's this moment, because, you know, Buffy and Angel, they have their, like, score. Right. And they have this moment where it's like, don't do that. Don't give up. I love you so much. Like, Buffy, yes. I can't. <laughs> have to go save yourself and then you just hear <clears throat> and then you see xander's in the background and he's like hey guys can i i just need to talk for everything you want in the most emotional episode of buffy and uh-huh. xander's just doing his own thing uh-huh. it's all good yeah um so i wanted to talk about a little bit about the side characters that have all kind of come through because i feel like the show did a good job of giving every character their own story mm-hmm. and like their own growth and everything I want to know who your favorite side characters were. Okay. Anya. Anya. Love Anya. Anyanka. Yes. She, I mean, she she's the perfect example of a character that they just kept bringing back because she was so, so good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she was in season two the yeah. first step time. Yeah. She's supposed so. to be like an episode. Like one episode. And I think she comes back in the finale maybe because mm-hmm. then, she, you know, she was a demon she then loses her demon powers and gets stuck as a teenager. And so then she's stuck going to school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And and I think she shows up a couple times at the end of season three after she's once she starts getting with Xander. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. She goes to prom with him. Yeah. and, And she's at the graduation, but I think she leaves and then he's like yelling at her, you know, to, you know, because she's like kind of leaving them all, and mm-hmm. and she's like, "But aren't we gonna kiss?" <laughs> I mean, like, she totally doesn't she understand all so these like good. human interactions. It's well, just yeah, because she she was a demon, you know, her whole life turned right. human, and now she has to like learn how to be human, <laughs> and so she's always like coming up with this. She doesn't understand human yeah. emotions and stuff, and so she's like almost got her information from movies where you yeah. know you yeah. bring up that like aren't we gonna kiss like she doesn't understand like right. why is this, this playing work? out the way it's supposed to like her I don't fear understand. of bunnies yes. oh, so I love you one of my favorite uh, emotional moments of the series was an Anya moment mm. And it's when Buffy's mom dies. Such a good speech. Oh, God. It's so good. And that episode, too, The Body, I loved so much because in this fantastical world where we just spent six years with these people Mm -hmm. and they're vampires and demons and it's scary, someone can just drop dead out of a natural cause Mm -hmm. and you just have to deal with the grief. And Anya has this great speech where she's asking all these questions and they think she's just being Anya. Mm-hmm. And they're like, fucking st- like, stop it. Like, now's not the time. And she just says, I just, like, she was here and now she's not. And I just want to understand why. And you mm-hmm. realize she just doesn't fucking get it. Uh-huh. And I think that that's how any of us feel when somebody passes away. Right. Yeah. And I love that that was Anya's moment to be really real. Well, one she's of, so great. One of the brilliant things about the show is, I mean, people literally die every episode. Yes. I mean, there's death 
everywhere. There's right. always some red shirt, you know, getting <laughs> yeah. killed by a vampire. For sure. So <laughs> they they somehow manage to make the deaths that are important feel important, mm-hmm. yeah. even amidst all this other death, like every episode. Yeah. And especially the body. I mean, that episode is Ugh. just so powerful. And the fact that there's no music and you mm-hmm. just feel oh, everything they feel. You have to, yeah. It's yeah. So and, it, and it's not manipulative because there's no like strings telling you, oh, this is sad. You know, it's just like you feel her. Yeah. And like. What a performance from Sarah Michelle Gellar in that episode. Oh, two. she's amazing. I feel like that the first the whole first act of the episode, you actually just stay on her and you don't leave her side. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just watching like the things you do when you're alone with just your mother's body in the room. And uh-huh. the, the thing, the moment that stayed with me was when she was walking into the kitchen and just falls to the carpet and throws up. And then uh-huh. she has to get up and get up and get a towel and clean, and clean it up. It. Yeah. It's yeah. so fucking horrible. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and what I like also is that you see that this overwhelming emotion in her in that episode, she finds her mother dead. She calls the police or 911 and Mm -hmm. they're all like, oh, you need to like perform CPR on her and stuff like that. Like try that. And she's so over like overwhelmed with her emotions. She like cracks her mom's ribs because she's like, oh no, I think I did something wrong. Like she Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to control herself in that moment. And I think that's like so good. (laughs) It's so good. Um, yeah, there was a, who was I, uh, Anya, we were talking about Anya and I forgot what I wanted to bring up. It's okay. Um, (laughs) well, I have, well, off of what you were saying, Adam, with the deaths being really important Uh to the show, uh, one of my favorite side characters is Tara. And I feel like her death was so important to the show and it happened in the most startling fucked up way. Yeah. And And her last, her last line before dying. Your shirt. It's just. The worst, and she and Willow had just come back together mm-hmm. and like gotten back after their break, and everything was amazing and beautiful. And Warren shows up and shoots Buffy and the stray bullet, and then just to see the moment of Willow getting dressed and looking and being splattered in Tara's blood and her mm-hmm. just dying, and that creating Dark Willow, mm-hmm. which I think was a really great fucking villain too. Yeah, uh, but I love Tara. I love what Tara did for Willow, and I love yeah. Tara with the gang. And absolutely, I like that Tara also was sort of a confidant. Like I felt like she and Buffy had a friendship, which. Yeah. I loved, you uh-huh. know, especially for your best friend's lover. Well, um, yeah. that was season five, or was it season six that that happened? When did that happen? That's a good question. Oh, maybe that Dark is... Willow is season six, but season I... six. I know Dark Willow happens because of Tara's death. But I think Tara might have. Oh, now I well, don't they remember. Had, they had already gotten rid of Glory at that. It was season six. I think because, it's six. Yeah. Because Glory was already gone. Um, Buffy had sacrificed herself. And it's six because the bad guys are Warren, Jonathan, right. and Andrew. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, there's okay. <laughs> How did you guys feel about the moment that so in season at the end of season five, Buffy killed herself basically to mm-hmm. to, to right. save Dawn. Death is her gift. Death is her <laughs> gift. Yes, as the first Slayer said, right? Yeah. Um, so Buffy sacrifices herself in order to save Dawn and to close this portal that Glory has opened. I would have um, pushed Dawn in <laughs> and, and gone to dinner. Uh, <laughs> and and the beginning of season six opens with Willow and friends doing a spell to like basically revive yeah. Buffy. And the whole time she's back, something's mm. off about her. And that's, you know, she goes to Tara to talk about it a little bit. Like, I don't feel whole, like, you need to, I need your help yeah. to figure this out. And Tara's like, you're fine. Like, you're you. This is you. It, but Buffy just doesn't understand because she's like, then why do I feel this way? Then we get the amazing <laughs> the musical, musical oh. episode. <laughs> 
There is a demon who is causing the whole town to go into musical mode. They're singing, dancing, and when there's too much singing and dancing, they <sighs> combust and uh-huh. die. Amazing. Buffy sings at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. and we find out that the reason she's so depressed is because she was in heaven, and they took her out of heaven. Uh-huh. I think I was in heaven. heaven. <laughs> <laughs> what were you guys going through? I know. I, I felt a lot. I feel like that was Willow's kind of moment, yeah. because Willow was so enveloped in her magic and mm-hmm. not really thinking about the bad she could be causing. Right. And, I think that hit her a lot there, but I felt so fucking bad for Buffy. Yeah, and like let her rest. <laughs> and that contributed to to I think her becoming the Dark Willow. Yeah, but you know they wrote that episode before any of the other episodes before that in season I six because they had to write all the songs and right, like kind of sense. like produce all of that stuff, mm-hmm. which I think Joss Whedon and his brother like wrote all the songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they had to kind of count back. So they had to like plan oh, that episode way in advance because they had to learn choreography and do all this stuff. And so then they had to write the beginning of the season sort of planned out leading up to that episode, knowing that that was when they were going to reveal that Buffy was in heaven. Wow. That's so, so cool. Yeah. I love it. That's interesting that you say that because I feel like that episode does such a great job of being kind of standalone because it's the musical, but it's important to the season and the series because mm-hmm. it does push the needle forward with that revelation and yeah. with everything like it relationship wise going on with Anya and Xander uh-huh. that leads up to him leaving her at the altar and like <laughs> yeah. Spike and Buffy oh, and yeah. every it's like actually a really important episode outside mm-hmm. of it just being fun because it's the musical. And the music's really good. It's really good. I love it so much. <laughs> Wait, Nerler, have you guys ever, um, have you gone to Comic-Con to the Buffy sing-along? No, I no. haven't. Okay, here's the deal. It's super <laughs> fun. So I've gone and uh, they, usually every year they'll do a sing-along and then they'll maybe have like one of the cast members show up. And when I went, it was Nicholas Brendan. It was a little sad because he was a little old and tired. <laughs> Love you, Nicholas. He's happy. He might have been a little coked out. He's a little coked out. He, he, he was dead. He was having some dark days. And watching someone like approaching fifty doing the Snoopy dance on stage for the sing along is not does not make you feel happy. Oh, <laughs> makes no. you sad. Um, However, the sing-along is so fun, and they pass out little, like, gur little monsters for your finger. Oh. However, the most fun was once everybody, uh, once Dawn enters, everybody boos no. and yells, oh, no. Go away, Dawn! <laughs> you, Dawn! And, they, and every time Dawn does, because Dawn kind of fucks up the entire episode. It's all Dawn's fault. Right. That's what's happening. So when uh, that's revealed, everyone's like, of course, Dawn! <laughs> you suck! It's great. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> Your girl. Um, Do you guys know Adam Shankman? Uh, I, the choreographer. choreographer? Yes. Yeah. He, he choreographed that episode. Oh. Yeah. But he, you know, he was a judge on. Um, so you think? You can so you think you can dance? Yeah. He directed and choreographed the hair, the hairspray movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah he's, I feel like he directed a walk to remember. Am I? He might have actually. No, yes, I think he, he might be I right. Think he directed a walk he to did. remember, and that's and I mean, guys, I've got a soft spot for walk to remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's a uh, uh, the another podcast for another <laughs> day. Wanna, wanna, is that is that the original girl has cancer, boy falls in love with girl, girl dies. It can't be, right? <laughs> I feel like that's been going on a tale as old as time. time. Okay, but I always just think, every time a movie like that comes out, I'm like, A Walk to Remember 20. Is, that, is that a Nicholas Sparks movie? It yes. is. It's oh. the first, like, date movie I remember that was that, where it's like the date cancer movie. Oh. You know, because that is yeah. such a thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, all right, so I want to I want to ask, we're almost to an hour. Um, I know, so much to discuss. Uh-huh. I want to ask you guys... Um, who did you guys ship Buffy with? This is a great question. Mm-hmm. 
Nobody says Riley, right? Uh, no. I say Riley. Okay. Well, you know <laughs> I, okay. This is, this is interesting. I was thinking about this a lot, uh, especially <laughs> right now. One, you know, for me, Angel was her first love. It's a uh-huh. forbidden love, mm-hmm. but that's a love that doesn't last, as yes, we know, right? Of course. Riley, I think, is an Aiden. He's like the safe guy. Uh-huh. He's yeah. the boring guy. He's yeah. the guy that maybe you should be with who's going to like love you and cherish you, but like there's no passion there. Real quick about Spike, because mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of Spike shippers. Uh, I was off of the Spike train when he tried to rape her in a bathroom. I and I don't understand how everybody just forgets that. Like, there's this guy I know who's like a huge Buffy fan, and he's like, oh my God, like, I'm I'm a feminist. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, Spike and Buffy forever. And I'm like, why he tried to rape her? <laughs> I don't understand why, like, that would. I feel in my heart that she didn't meet her true love on that show. Yeah. I don't, between those three, I don't think that she I guess really... I won't reveal that I ship Spike then. You know, reveal it. I'm, I, okay, I'm... okay, to his defense, he okay. did not have a soul at the time. Wow. Okay. He was still a vampire. Right. <laughs> but he got a soul for her because he knew that he, he knew that without a soul, he would hurt her. And so he went through all of those trials in order to get a soul, in order to be a good person for her. Mm-hmm. So I feel like his path of redemption is like, it's, I mean, like, totally, I'm not going to, like, you know, ship somebody who, you know, right, right, right. thing, but I mean, like, he had no soul. I mean, I'm... Angel, like, killed people. I mean, he... Yeah, but he wasn't going to rape her. <laughs> I mean, that's a bridge too far. Snap the neck of all my friends. Just don't rape me and call it love. But okay, I mean, some of the Spike Buffy sex scenes were some of the hottest scenes, right? I mean, when they like brought Dallas down. Come on. I also liked the because we never really got a good uh, Buffy Angel sex scene because he was like, we can never fuck each other. And then it was like pretty short. I I like the Buffy Riley, like, we're fucking so much that the house is going to eat us whole. Like, who does that? Uh, the reason I really liked Riley was because I don't know what it was about him. I think it is because he was like this homegrown, like, you know, corn fed, whatever guy that Mm -hmm. that was just like there for her. And he was Mm -hmm. always going to love her and everything. But like, you know, eventually he doesn't. But um, like, I felt like there's a moment and, and it's it's the like, what if moment where he's tells Buffy, like, I'm gonna leave. And oh yeah, you need to choose if you want me to stay. Yeah. And like, I'm gonna go on this mission or whatever. And and you may never see me again. Like, you have to choose. Like, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. And she doesn't know what to do because she doesn't really understand her feelings for him or know what her feelings are. Whatever. Like, she knows she loves him, but she doesn't know that she can like keep him here or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in the end, she's like, okay, fine, fuck it, I'm gonna go. And she like runs her ass off <laughs> to like <laughs> stop oh, yeah. him and his helicopter takes off and leaves and she never could stop him. But why? I would have just been like, I would have called a cell and then like, <laughs> look down. Did they I have came. cell phones? Oh, they should have had a cell phone. Sure, right? It's right? yeah. early 2000s. Like it's like season five or six at that point. Or like beep him, patron. Patri- it's interesting. I feel like we each have a different, because if I if I have to choose of the three love interests on the show, I would choose Angel. So we have an yeah. Angel, a Spike, and a Riley. I don't know, for me, I think it was just like the romance of like the forbidden, the first yeah. love, the we cannot be, all the shit that Angel did for him, for her, mm. and vice versa. Okay, and- I'm going to spoil something from the, Buffy season eight comic book okay. because Buffy and Angel do hook up again yes. and they cause sonic booms. 
Oh. Hello. Oh, that's a sex scene I wanted to see on the show. Oh my god. And why does uh, why is that okay? Is there like some kind of spell on him to like um, not turn him? I'm not going to Okay, cuz I know you're reading it, so I'm not going to spoil too much. But but okay. <laughs> And you guys didn't watch Angel, right? No. I, so I did watch the, the crossovers. But you never saw like the final season of Angel. I didn't find see the final season. Okay, well, I'll spoil one thing Please because do. you guys probably know Spike is a main character in season 5 of Angel. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Spike dies in the finale of Buffy and mm-hmm. somehow gets brought back and one of the funniest things of Angel season five is that Angel and Spike are both vampires with souls. And so all these prophecies revolving around like a vampire with a soul that Angel thinks are about him. Spike's like, wait, you're not the only one. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, That's so really it causes fun. a lot of this sort of like buddy comedy <laughs> part to, mm-hmm. you know, between Angel and Spike. And, you know, in, in, in the Angel series really explores their history, too, because God, no, Darla uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Love Darla. Who creates Angel. Yeah. And she's a main character in one of the seasons of Angel. Oh, cool. Oh, I do remember this a little bit. Right. They bring her back as well. Right. Like, yeah. And she has a half. She, she becomes was killed a, on she Buffy. Was, yeah. She, yeah. she was a vampire who then got brought back as a human who then fucked Angel. And then she Somebody's had a gotta... half vampire, half human baby who then got sucked into a like hell dimension. You know, like. <laughs> Story of my just life. Just normal. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think she created Drusilla. Mm. And then Drusilla created Spike. Spike. And the four of them were kind of had like this era of a of time where they all spent together. Mm-hmm. And so that's explored a lot in the in the Angel series. That's okay. interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Like but yeah, that. so so Spike obviously comes back and sh- both of them show up in the season eight comic series in different aspects. Mm. That's cool. I'd read season eight for years ago and have right. forgotten everything. I just I was just flipping through them this afternoon before I came here because but it was yeah 2008 so it was 10 years ago. Years even, ago. Yeah. Um, I the only thing I remember from Angel is like the Angel Buffy crossovers uh-huh. and uh, one of the things I remember was Angel you may know this better got this ring that could make him walk in the day yeah. mm-hmm. but I remember Buffy showing up and fuck it, like they were able to have sex without him losing a soul uh-huh. and it was just like the morning after they're just laying in bed and like eating ice cream and peanut butter <laughs> and I was like this is all I want I just want this for you guys I just want you to like fuck each other and eat ice cream uh-huh. <laughs> why can't you have this why isn't anything real because Joss Whedon doesn't want her to be happy. I know. Um, there is. I did want to. I do have a soft spot for Spike. I would have him like as my second ship for her. Um, there's a moment at the season. Fin- I don't know if it's the season finale, but it's the last season where um, Buffy is like basically they shun her <laughs> out yeah, of the group, oh yeah. and Faith comes and kind of like becomes a leader to the to the potential Slayers. And Buffy's on her own and she's like, you know, sad, depressed, whatever. And and Spike eventually finds her and they're having this conversation and he and and he's like, I'm going to leave you alone because you like don't want me here or whatever. And she's like, wait, no, please stay. And like she moves over on the bed and she's like, come sleep, um, sleep with me. And they, you know, just like sleep there and hold each other. Meanwhile, you have like three other couples who are fucking mm-hmm. and there's a montage of that. There is Willow and a uh, potential Slayer. There's Xander yeah. and Kennedy, Anya. Yeah, and, Kenya. Um, and um, uh, who who who's the 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 Faith and the Principal? And oh, yeah. oh right. Yeah, oh, the three God. couples are like fucking, and there's this montage, and every now and then they cut back to Spike and Buffy, and they're just holding each other. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, like it's just so beautiful because uh-huh. like you have this passionate <sighs> yes. moment between everyone else, but theirs is still passion. But they're not doing any of that. But they're showing their like 
affection for each other by just like holding each uh-huh. other. And it's just like, it's oh, that moment. really gets me. It's a good moment. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, pro Spike. I know he tried I to get, rape her. No, that's <laughs> I guess I just like, I just clung to that so much. And I was like, why? I get we, it though. I get it. Why yeah. is this okay? And like, and here, and there was this moment too, when they're like struggling and she's, uh, she's like really beaten down from a fight that she'd had. And she's sore and he's on top of her. And then basically he's like literally upon the point of insertion. And that's when she like kicks him off and throws him against the wall with Slayer strength. And he's like, I didn't. She's like, yeah, because I stopped you. Like had I not had the strength to stop Mm -hmm. you, you would have just raped me right Right. here and now. And and then she said, that's why I could never love you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even at the end when he sacrifices himself and she's like, they're holding each other's hands on fire. uh, Mm -hmm. She says like, I love you. And he's like, no, you don't. But thank you for saying it. (laughs) I actually love, I loved that moment. Mm -hmm. That made me sort of like spike a lot. And I I guess I felt, the reason I ship them less as opposed to like the me too, uh, (laughs) the rapiness of it is the, uh, I felt like she never really loved him. I felt like she needed him Mm -hmm. sometimes. I felt like she needed to be needed. I think that she really needed to do all that fucking at that time yeah. in her life. Uh-huh. I think that she liked having someone who she knew really cared about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when she first found out, maybe it was season five, when she first found out Spike had a crush on her, she was like disgusted yeah, right. <laughs> until she like went along with it. And I think that she needed to connect with someone after coming back from the dead. So I like get yeah. all the reasons, but I don't ever think she really loved them. Mm-hmm. And I think Spike knew that. Yeah. Yeah, well, then she, like, also discovers that he was fucking a robot version of her. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I don't understand. I never raped you, and now I'm fucking a robot version of you, so I am just a a fuckhole. Like, you don't love me? I just think she really loved Angel, and Angel loved her back. He didn't have his soul then either. (laughs) That man does. Oh boy! Um, all right, so I'll, I'll have a final question for you guys. Okay. What were your favorite moments of the show? I know we've probably mm. already touched them, but like, what were the ones that really stuck with you? For me, it's some of the jokes that just sort of yeah. lighten the mood because it is—it's such a multi-genre show. Like sometimes it's horror, sometimes it's drama, sometimes it's comedy, sometimes it's action. You know, and sometimes like a joke just gets tossed in that just makes you like laugh yeah. and sort of you know it just takes you into the moment like one of one of my favorite it's kind of it's a willow moment but it's kind of a riley moment when mm-hmm. he comes back in season seven and um he has his wife mm-hmm. and i think at the end like after they sort of defeat whatever menace is happening and then his wife is talking to willow basically about her like you know going to the dark side and coming mm-hmm. back and she's like oh willow i just want to tell you like how much i admire you you know you like you know, went to the dark side and, you know, I, I know like, I've, you know, how hard that must have been to come back. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I'm really proud like that you've come where you are. She's like, oh, thank you. And then she leaves and then Willow leans over to Buffy. Mm-hmm. What a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good friend thing to do. It is. It is. Totally agree with you. It's such a. I don't think it gets enough credit for being a hilarious show. Like when uh-huh. I when I was watching Passions, um, or Passion rather, uh, when they all go over to Giles' house to see how he's doing after Jim Callender's dead, and they note someone notices that Giles' um, weapons are gone, and then uh, someone says, "No, he keeps his weapons at the library." And Xander goes. Uh, no, those are his everyday weapons. These are <laughs> these are his good weapons. He only breaks out on Sundays for guests. That, like just that like injection, just to like lighten the mood. I think the humor for sure. And I also think just some of these. Um, I would say all this like really coming of agey moments for mm-hmm. me really hit me. Uh, like in the season three finale graduation, 
The huge battle is won, and they're all just sitting on this bench together. And Oz, Seth Green, says, guys, take a minute. Like, we survived. And they're like, yeah, we survived. And he says, no, not the battle. High school. And there's just that moment of, like, high school such a fucking battle, uh, and we got through it. Mm-hmm. As the building's, like, burning down. As the building's <laughs> burning down, and there just pans over to, like, Sunnydale class of 99. Yeah. But I really felt with him. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I went through high school with you guys. And, like, all of those moments that you had and, like, the breakups and uh-huh. the best friendships that you make. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and when your uh, boyfriend loses a soul and, like, breaks the neck of your um, computer science teacher. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, all the things I'd experienced. That's like <laughs> Um, but I think, yeah, a lot of that, I think just so many of those relatable moments, the, bo- the body stayed with me, just like uh-huh. hitting all of those things that I think we can all cling to, like grief and how that's manifested in love. And it just, I don't know, it just, I, it just keeps me coming back mm-hmm. to like relive it. I even, I didn't love season four <laughs> at Adam and college, but there were some moments that were really special to me in that season. Mm-hmm. And the first episode of just going to college for the first time, I feel like captures that feeling with her roommate with the toad nails yeah, I mean, look, all that's absurd yeah. but it also does just like her showing up on campus and just capturing that feeling of like oh i was this, i was a big fish and i like i have my group and now my friends all have their other things mm-hmm. i'm by myself i have a new roommate mm-hmm. i'm totally alone uh i just think it captures those like really important crucial growing up moments well, so well isn't it the season with hush Yes. yes. Oh, and Hush? <laughs> Hush is great. I mean. Well, and that one too. I mean, it's kind of a scary episode, but totally. the moment when they're in the classroom and they can't talk, like none of them can make a sound. Yeah. And so they're like writing on the overhead and stuff. <laughs> and then like... Buffy makes like the jerk off motion and they're like, what? <laughs> and she, oh, puts the stake in her hand. And she's like... <laughs> I love that too. That was the moment that stayed with me at the end of Hush when having that whole episode without any words and Buffy and Ryler in a weird place in a relationship. And then it's the two of them at the end and they say, we should talk. And then they just don't say anything. Mm-hmm. When they have the chance. Just so good, you guys. It is. It is. Um, and it's something topical about that episode. The lead gentleman from Hush is the yeah. guy, Doug Jones, who's yeah. in The Shape of Water. Yeah. At the He's Oscars made a this career weekend. out of this. Out yeah. of yeah. like yeah. a... A, a, basically a human puppet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty much. I mean, he's in uh, Star Trek Discovery now, yeah. too. So. Oh, wow. Like yeah, yeah. Andy, sir. He's like the Andy Circus of not motion capture. The practical effects. Of, yeah. yeah. Um, what about you? For me, there are a few moments. Um, one of them is when Xander confronts Dark Willow in the end. Oh. She's about to destroy oh, yes. the world when she like raises, <sighs> you know, the thing that's going to destroy the world. And that's he's like, one. hey, like we're friends like i love you and he brings up this story about this yellow crayon from when they were in kindergarten how she broke it and she started crying and he like consoled her and stuff like that and that that for me was just like a really good example of like how much these characters have gone through whether it was when buffy came and like you know they started fighting demons together or Mm -hmm. it's just them living their everyday lives together and Mm -hmm. just building a friendship and and so like that, I feel like that really captures that. And like she yeah. breaks down, she cries and, you know, eventually she's sent away to like, you know, get her shit under control. Um, that always sticks with me. Yeah. Um, but also the fact that Willow became a lesbian. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know that they have ever defined her as a lesbian or if she was bisexual or whatever it was. But um, I really, really liked the fact that they didn't sexualize it or mm-hmm. like have it, fetishize it they didn't or, yeah. fetishize that she was a lesbian she just you know met love. this girl this tara and she built this friendship with her and eventually there was like this connection that they couldn't deny anymore and so like they just fell in love and they were together and even though like the friends at first were like oh 
cool though yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like they were surprised but they very much so supported her and like your friends mm-hmm. should yeah. embrace that yeah, yeah. yeah. and love so each other. that that for me was always important to just you know as a gay man like yeah not and they kissed on it. screen oh my god which Eventually, at the time the yeah. first time they kissed they panned it away uh, the musical episode yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah give but me that, that sexy yeah but eventually yeah. they 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 were able to show it and everything and i always like really appreciated that and i felt like it didn't feel like it was a forced thing on her either like it just felt yeah. so natural she didn't understand it but she was like yeah i like her like <laughs> yeah. you're totally right i love that i was thinking about um the season four finale. The season four finale is just a, just a dream sequence, basically. Oh, right. I feel like Joss Whedon had such a great handle on uh, showing what our dreams are like. In the oh. first season, there's a dream episode. Like in this episode, Xander's just trying to have a three way in every room. <laughs> every time he walks in a door, he ends up in another room. Like that kind of stuff happens. But I remember a part in in Willow's version of the dream was she was about to go on stage for like a play they were doing in college and everyone told her like take off your costume you're wearing a costume and mm-hmm. she's like I'm not in a costume and they're like yes you are it's time to take it off and I feel like soon after in five is when she really sort of came out and fell with mm-hmm. Tara so I feel like they knew like that's kind of where she was going a little uh-huh. bit you know mm-hmm. but I love that it was so like seamless and natural and that she just fell in love with Tara and yeah, well, that was great, and I felt like for her too, like having those like first crushes on her on Xander, mm-hmm. and like having that first love with Oz, but just knowing it wasn't the same as it was. With right, Tara. right, yeah. it so was so much more. Um, yeah. and I know this is a controversial episode, but the one where Buffy's in an insane asylum, love it. <laughs> Here's the deal: Do you hate it? Well, it's no. it's me up because I'm like, oh, is the whole series a lie? Exactly. exactly. But you know what? Fine. Fine. (laughs) I, like, for me, I... It, I, I like the fact that they leave it so open-ended because, you know, in the episodes she chooses to stay in the Buffy yeah. world or whatever. Which where she so depressing. It is really depressing. and um, But she has such great friends there. But I like it either way. I like, whether yeah. or not it's real or it, or it is, like... Or it isn't. Um, I I don't know. I just really like that episode. Yeah. And I really like what twisted. they did with it. It stayed with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. For sure. Do you just hate it? No. I mean, <laughs> but I choose to believe that it's, it's real. real. Right. Even though, of course, it's a TV show and it is not real. I am. <laughs> you know? And I think I think that's how I walked away too. I'm on the like rational side of me is like this episode exists to show us that this isn't that this it's is so all meta. happening in our yeah, fucking mind. But I choose to believe that this is a real world and her mm. real friends. You know what? And that's mental health, guys. And she, <laughs> and she chooses to believe it, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, my God. We we, 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 we went through it all, oh, mostly. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys so much for being on this episode. I feel like we could just discuss and discuss know, and discuss. So There's fun. just so much. Oh, day. We didn't even. I mean, we barely scratched the surface. We know, barely but, scratched the surface. You know, it's sort of like. You know, when you find another Buffy fan, it's like, <gasps> <laughs> you, you, Let's discuss. and then that can just lead to hours and hours of fun. Of yeah. course. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, who knows? Maybe we come back and do this again. But <laughs> You guys need to watch Angel and then we'll do an Angel. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> that that yeah. is a, uh, uh, three years from now. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of Beat Bobby Flay to catch up on. (laughs) Yeah, but thank you guys so much for being on here. I love talking about Buffy, and I love talking about it with other fans of Buffy. So thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
all right so that was the interview uh hope you guys really enjoyed that or just enjoyed it you don't have to really enjoy it <laughs> but uh yeah so as i said oh and i apologize for the audio i know i got very loud at times but i'm not an audio guy i don't know how to fix that shit <laughs> so sorry but thank you for bearing with it um anyway uh i said i was going to explain when i said that i find female characters more interesting or i did or whatever the reason I said that is because growing up, and I'm sure I've explained this, but growing up, I didn't relate to the male characters whatsoever. I related to the female characters, and it wasn't going to be until much later that I realized why, which is I'm gay, and I don't uh, necessarily relate to the man going after the woman and, and you know, womanizing her and sexualizing her and stuff. Like, I, the way I saw women was always, even though they may have been poorly written, maybe they were only you know, seen through the male gaze. Maybe they were only wearing very sexy clothes. But when I viewed them, I <laughs> this is going to sound so stupid, but when I viewed them, I would view them as statuesque almost, like every single woman on TV, like very statuesque, very beautiful, very much art, very much human, very complicated. And I think the reason why I thought they were complicated was because we didn't know enough about them. And because I maybe created stories in the back of my head, or maybe I I thought, why don't we know more about her? She's so mysterious, or I don't know what the reasoning was for it. But um, I, I always gravitated more towards the female characters. And, and for examples of the stuff that I gravitated towards, you know, Buffy was one of those shows where it featured a a very strong female character, later featured many very strong female characters. But um, not only that, I loved Charmed. I loved Xena Warrior Princess. I loved um, uh, Birds of Prey when it was on for the one season. Uh, those are the kinds of things that I really loved. Tomb Raider, when that became a movie after it was a video game for a while, you know, like, those are the things, Charlie's Angels, like, those are the things, even though they were shown, you know, in a lot of those things that I just named, even though the characters were shown in, like, skin-tight suits and they're very sexy or whatever, like, I always felt like if I just paid attention to this one character, even though they're not saying much, or maybe they seem very focused on the men or, or being sexy or whatever. Like I always felt like there was more behind it. And maybe that's why I gravitated towards that a little bit more also is because I felt like there was so much character we weren't exploring that maybe I just turned it into something. And I think that for the most part, not for the most part, but I think when you had those female-led movies too, that you did get a little bit more character than you would in a male-led uh, movie. Uh, but anyway, that's kind of why I felt that way is because I've always been that way. When I played video games, I always chose the female character because they always seemed way more diverse to me. Uh, because when you, for example, played a fighting game, I don't know if I mentioned this in the interview or if I mentioned it in, in, in the past, but when you play a fighting game, for example... The male characters are so much more about muscle and strength. And then you have the female characters who are uh, more slender and more uh, flexible, agile. Uh, and, and it just, I related to that more because as a kid growing up, I was always the skinny one who fit into, you know, the little squares of the monkey bar dome. <laughs> and um, so like, it's, it's things like that. 
that I related to. So anyway, that's why I said what I said. And I just wanted to explain it so that you guys didn't think I was just talking out of my ass. And maybe I was, as I said earlier. Um, but anyway, thank you to Adam and Lindsay for being here. Oh, and the reason that it was a coincidence or whatever that I was reading a Chilling Adventures of Sabrina comic is because Lindsay uh, actually is now a writer on the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina TV series that's coming out on Netflix. So congratulations to her. I think that's so fucking awesome. When she broke the news to me, I wanted to cry. I was so happy for her. Um, it's kind of something that we had discussed as being a possibility, <laughs> specifically the Sabrina show. And to see it become a reality is just, it's insane. I'm very, very happy for her. I recently got a lot of news from uh, friends, very good news for them that I've been so happy with. And you know what? Honestly, every single one of them deserves it. Uh, I am going to plug one other person right now, my friend Steven Berger is producing the Amazon documentary uh, docu-series about Lorena Bobbitt. And I found out about that months ago, and Amazon just announced it a few weeks ago. And um, I, uh, I'm i super excited to see this. Just from what he's told me about what he's learned about the story of Lorena Bobbitt is fascinating. And I really hope people see it and can learn something from it. Yeah, we all make the cut off the dick jokes and stuff like that. But this is something that was very serious and very uh, traumatizing, um, not just for her husband, but for her. Uh, and you'll find out all of that stuff when the series comes out on Amazon. So, yeah, congratulations to those two and to all my other friends who are who are really seeing success right now. And I'm so happy for them. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's get on to the recommendations. So I've already mentioned them at the top of the show, but basically they are A Quiet Place, which is John Krasinski's film. Um, what they do in that movie is phenomenal. There are some things that could have been better, uh, but honestly, the overall feeling, I love, love, love horror movies, and I feel like this is a... Maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like this is uh, an idea um, and a concept that we haven't seen done in this way before. And um, I really loved it. I loved it. It was so much fun. The, it wasn't really terrifying, um, but I feel like there was a movie that they could have made that made it psychologically terrifying. But this one wasn't quite it. It was just great, though. I really loved it. And that ending made me want to smile <laughs> just so so much and that doesn't really spoil anything um but it did <laughs> the second one as i mentioned was blockers now that one oh my god there was a little sub story in there subplot in there that i didn't really see coming but i was so happy that it was in there really really funny this is my favorite role that i've seen leslie mann do uh the physical comedy, the 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 intelligent comedy, the just the comedy, like everything about it was really, really, really good. A lot of it was slapstick, but at the same time, it didn't feel like a typical slapstick bro comedy. It wasn't that at all. And it had some really good messages in it, too. Um, and it was just fucking phenomenal. I loved it. Great, great, great comedy. Um, go see Blockers. And then the final one is uh, Love, Simon. And that is kind of like 
it, it's it's a teen movie we haven't seen in 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 a long time. Uh, and I'm thinking like the '90s, early 2000s. You know, Never Been Kissed, um, Mean Girls, stuff like that. Like it's that kind of film, that kind of teen movie we haven't really had in a long time. Or maybe we have. I just haven't been watching them or something. <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like this is this is a, a '90s teen movie for for specifically for gay men but also for people who just feel different and don't really feel confident in being themselves or maybe they do feel confident in being themselves but I think the theme of this movie really is wanting to be yourself without the world changing their perspective of you um, or their idea of you and I think it's a great message. Uh, the 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 movie is cheesy at times, and the writing sometimes is a bit like, eh. But overall, the movie I absolutely loved it. I thought it was pretty great. Um, so those are the three things that I'm recommending. Um, this episode. They're all movies that I saw with Movie Pass. That is not a plug for Movie Pass. You don't give me money. I give you money. But if you want to give me money, holla at me. <laughs> All right. That's going to be it for me. Thank you guys so much for having the patience uh, to wait so long for this episode to come out. Like I said, I recorded this over a month ago. I can't believe that it took me so long. But, you know, shit happens. But 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 I'm here and and we're here and we're doing it. So thank you again for for sticking with me. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed recording it. And... Yeah, that's going to be it. All right, my pupas. I haven't called you guys pupas in a very long time, but you are my very beautiful pupas. Uh, Have a very great uh, rest of your week and month and year. Be kind to one another. Stay safe. And I will talk to you on the next one. Bye. Bye.